you know, sometimes there's just too much pressure. Not that starting a third season of Lush Life is so difficult, but I had decided to start this season with the spoken intro, like I'm doing now. And then it all changed. I went back to the way I was doing it before with the little canned intro I had slightly updated. Why didn't I do it the new way? This week, the subject of our episode is how to start all over again with a vengeance. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. But this episode is not about me and how I started season three with the wrong intro. It's about Mia Johansson and how she began what would become one of the best bars in the world, Swift Bar in London, Soho. If you're coming to this episode new, FYI, it's a two-parter, so turn around and go back to part one. A small recap. Mia has been through the ringer, and now after a successful pop-up at Kalu Kalei, she receives a phone call out of the blue. So tell me how Swift came about. So it was it was quite a fun summer actually. It was quite intense. It was the same summer that um, we were helping our best friend run his pub and that he just refurbished and we were still kind of had our fingers in a pot at Calais, Calais and we were planning on getting married in August. So in July we were come everything was kind of we were doing things every day. We were getting the wedding details finished. We were helping our best friend. We were at Calais, Calais. we were doing pop ups, we were working the whole summer and we were trying to make ends meet everywhere. And then we get a phone call from what we then saw as kind of like the mum and dad of the industry, Ed and Rosie who we've looked up to for years, but when they give us a call, we thought we'd done something wrong. <laughs> we were just, because they had already, they had two of the world's most successful bars. They had Oreo, which was just a year old then. And then they had Niger, that was, I think, probably six then. And then they, they go, why are they calling us? Because we had such different styles of making drinks. We'd met previously, but we'd only like, like acquaintances. And so then, it isn't as if you had known them. No, it for wasn't like they were just. Years. No, it wasn't like they were inviting us. They were like, "Do you guys want to grab a coffee?" And we were like, "It wasn't like let's go hang out and go on a double date." We weren't that friendly, so we were just okay. Maybe we've done something wrong. What are we up to? Um, so when we met with them, coffee, and then they put the offer on the table. They were just saying that Rosie had found a quite inspiring idea. They've been to Barcelona, and then they had kind of seen that the drinking scene of Europe are kind of like standing and perching and like having a quick drink um, and that the, the idea at never having like a buzzing bar would be able to just come in perch and then kind of pop off we don't really have it here we had like reservations and you come in with the booking and it's quite evening it's it's late night Friday night drinking kind of cocktail scene and we didn't have the like the, the daytime refreshing thing so she had this epiphany of this like simple styled simple like drinking thing and she because they kind of realized that that's not really what Niger and Oreo do right, that's what I was going to say especially yeah. because Niger and Oreo are definitely about the reservations yes. and the dark and, and like under, the whole experience right. and the table the, the drink and everything is kind of like the whole experience mm. um, so they thought of me and Bobby and they kind of thought that A we've done kind of we've, we've dabbled with trying to open up our own bar and really wanted to open up a bar and they kind of knew that from our way of 
especially with the milk and honey scene of kind of simplicity, very simple drinks in a fresh way and quite fast because Bobby had been rematch champion at that time and everything going, everything was quite good. They like knew that like the speedy way of doing things was kind of how we did it. So they they called us and when we had the offer, we were just, I didn't know if they were lying to us. Wait, wait, so everybody. they called you? No, they called this, uh, we want it long, so they called you? They you called went out. We went for coffee and, and they nice said, started. we have this idea. We, we have this idea. And did you go, oh my God, I didn't do something wrong. I just, well, yeah, well, I was more or less, I, I, I was at that time, I was very protective of us. I was okay. very protective of us and going like, we, I want to make sure that when we, we signed the right deal, that we, it is the right deal because we had been screwed right. over. So I was very, very, I was on, Bobby was super excited and I was sitting there at the table being a little bit cautious. Whoa, text. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going like, what are we actually? So they said that they had been looking for the site for Lab and that they wanted to make an offer on Lab and that they wanted us to be partners and kind of be the managing partners to take over the site and kind of run the concept and the staffing and everything like that. So when we left, I, I just remember all us, we were just like, oh, thank you very much. Let's have a thing. We'll call you guys back tomorrow and like, let us just like sleep on it. And I remember when we walked outside in the street, I kind of, I think I kicked Bobby or something. Because we both, like we walked, so we didn't want to look around to see if they looked at us. Right. It was very much, it was really weird. But I remember we turned around the corner. I think I gave Bobby like a kick on the leg or something or like, what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? Especially that it was lab as well. With Ed and Rosie, it was kind of like... Had Lab closed by then? No, no. it, it was them. quite, it was a bit weird because we had the landlord that we had here was at that time, the lady who who, who the, the lease was being purchased from, she was a little bit eccentric and she had, which too many people do, she had bought Lab, an iconic, one of the best bars in the world for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, because she liked cocktails. Not that she had any experience in hospitality or anything as a restaurateur. She bought it because she had money and she wanted a bar, but she didn't know how to run staff. So bless the guys who were working at Lab at that time. They, they were underpaid and they were not getting money so they could do stuff. So I, she was, she's been quite mean and she was uh, telling us that we couldn't really explain to the staff that we're here. And so our time of the lease kind of had officiated okay then so she didn't really tell them in advance so that they would have time to find jobs mm -hmm. so they found out by it coming to press so the lab guys found out when because imbibe was the first one to kind of um do a piece on us and when it was announced that me That's and bobby and Ed and had taken over lab which was quite a big deal um, that's when they first that's found when out. That's when they found out. And we didn't know that she hadn't told them. Okay. So they were, of course, really upset with us. So we met and sat with them and they they were quite angry. And we said, because she was, when she was telling us, she was telling us more or less, we will cancel the deal if you tell them. Oh, no. So, yeah, she was not a very nice woman. But, yeah. She's, well, she's out of the picture now. Hopefully she's not open up on any other bars and doing anyone else his favors. That's but so terrible. We were very keen to make sure that the guys um, were looked after and everything like that. We couldn't hire anyone because it was going to be four months until we opened. So we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't really hire any staff and then have them pay them to not really do anything for four months. So we well, bless them. But they still, all of them come in today, every day. They're here. They're the nicest people in the world, and they yeah. all they're it's such a small regulars. community. I know, too, no, no, so no. We love them so much. Yeah. Like I think, I think Shiv is probably here more than I am. He's the, the, the yeah. best guys. 
they're, they're super sweet and then the best thing is because when they we were make sure that they were always invited as soon as we open and everything and down for family nights and everything but the best thing about them is like when i was having when we did open and things were a bit there's always every single house has its cooks and its quarters and they knew them so i would be coming in and i'll be like having a, a moment to myself of something like the air con wasn't working or something wasn't working and they'd or be like that's not a ghost yeah, 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 yeah. Like and they'd you know, be like I, I, see hear you, I hear you I hear you and I was like oh you know what I'm talking about thank you or so like much like the toilet always sticks yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and like the plumbing and they're like oh the plumbing and I'm like oh thank you so much <laughs> I could think they, they related so much I like them I love them a lot so when we that was the same month that so me and Bobby actually I think we got they closed in the beginning of August. I think the first couple of weeks of August, they kind of had their party at lab, which wasn't, they had kind of more like friends and family nights closed down. And when me and Bobby found that out, we were just about to get married in Scotland. And we went off for a week in Scotland and we had a fantastic wedding. And we actually got married on the Saturday, the 27th, and Stu McCluskey got married on the Sunday, who's mm-hmm. a friend of ours who owned lots of bases up in Edinburgh. And he was kind enough to, on the Sunday, we actually had a day after party at the Bon Vivant, which is one of his restaurants. So on the day he got married, we actually had an event, like a reception party in his family. So we had a fantastic, I think we had like 60 bartenders or something at our wedding. It was quite bartender heavy, quite a lot of drinking. But um, it was a lot of fun because my family is Swedish and Bobby's family is Scottish Irish. So put them all three together, it's going to be a party. Um, we flew back. We had Monday kind of to ourselves. And then on the Tuesday, we flew back here. And when we opened the doors, this was the summer where we had the heat wave. So it was so hot and bless the guys they had had their last night and then they kind of left it so it's been like cooking in the heat for three weeks so there were bin bags open there were fruit in the sinks everything was rotting and it was flies everywhere and it was beyond and it was just me and bobby really she opened the doors super excited came in tonight the smell in our bed. yeah oh my god so much and i think we just went okay cool we need to do a closing party because lab needs before we kind of like do the first sledgehammer against the wall we need to make sure the lab has kind of had everyone gets to come and say their goodbyes because it needed to be karma so we kind of get we went to work we called all of our friends we made a little menu which was kind of the classic menu we had anything like we had the stilero we had the tiramisu with the point star martini we had like the six main classics from lab that they were kind of famous for and we made a menu and we sent a friend of ours made it up for us a designer and then we sent it off to print and then we went calling we called all of our mates that we knew had worked with lab so that was about 30 of them and we told them to call all the people that they had worked with that we didn't know and I think within like a couple hours there was 150 people in the same messenger group and it was going mental and we said come down we're throwing a three-day closing party it's gonna be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We've already we called the council and they extended the license till four in the morning. Oh boy. We called the old DJ. We called the old doorman. We said, guys, come on in, let's do let's one last lab weekend and let's do it good. Um, we will bar back the whole thing or we will bartend the whole thing. But if you guys want to come and do like an hour or half an hour just to go behind the bar again and like just shake up some drinks, 
we would love it if you did. Um, all the money we of course was going to go to charity, so it was never like our profit. So we got, and then we called all of our friends that work at the booths, just like fill up the gap. So they were packaging and packaging of alcohol that's showing up at the door the next day. And me and Bobby were cleaning. We had, I think we were cleaned up something about 50 or 60 bin bags of just, because we had to empty the bar. It was all bottles, everything in the fridges, all soda bottles, everything was just like everywhere. So we were just throwing every single thing out. And when we realized we didn't have a company name, Swift didn't have a company name then. So we didn't have a bin company. So we had 50, 60 <laughs> bin bags and like alcohol coming in the door. It was so full of, like, you couldn't move in here. It was so full. So we called like all of our friends to have sites in Soho going like, can we drop two bin bags with you? Can we drop can two bin take bags a bin bag, please? Yes, we were walking around Soho with bin bags and just trying to get everything out, cleaning everything and then filling up all the bottles that we had on the back bar and setting everything up. And it was quite funny because at the same time we were doing all the interviews. So Zoe Van der Grinton had her interview in this, all of this hot mess inside of here. The smell was awful. She was amazing. Um, she ended up working with us for the first few months before she got fantastic. Um, she always wanted to be a chef, so she went back into food for a bit. Um, and then we had Max had done his interview so Max came and worked with us. Nathan was always with us from Palookale, so he was already kind of, he was part of the process of the opening and everything. So they were already with us, as well as Ivan, who's with us here as well. They were already, so they helped us for the whole weekend. So they were the barbacks. So we paid them cash in hand from our wedding fund. <laughs> we were paying in, so we were buying ice, we were getting all the fruit in. They were here every single day with us. So when we threw the party, it was huge. It was full from the moment we did it. Everyone was in. It was everyone who from every single era of lab was in from 17 years ago, from Will and the guys who were here like when it opened. Like it was it was it was mental. It was one that they talk about still. It, oh sure. yes, by far. And then but in the mornings everyone went home at four or five, five in the morning. We didn't have a cleaning crew, so me and Bobby had to stay in clean. So we could scrub the whole. So literally, you did not sleep for three we days. Didn't, no, we didn't sleep for a week. We got married, and then right, we right, 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 right. <laughs> straight into it. So but you know what? It's probably good training. You know what your marriage is going to be like. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, get 100%. married, and then you have to clean a whole bar. Oh, yeah. Have more people, oh, yeah. and then wake up, and then yeah, yeah, the journey again. begins. No, yeah. but then the journey begins. Yeah. And so on, I remember so well on the last day. I remember because Bobby ordered takeaway, and I couldn't even stand up to get to the door because I had a 40 degree fever at the end of it so I was just like shaking but it was good because when we actually got going it was it felt like we had a good send up with a good karma from lab mm -hmm. and everyone was really supportive and they were really happy that it wasn't being turned into a Starbucks right, um, and that the, somebody was carrying on the legacy and the training of our crew and, and keeping the bartender kind of taking it to the next level. So it was, it, it, everyone was really happy for us, which for us meant the world because we were really nervous how the reception was going to be because closing down an institution was a bit harsh. I'm sure, um, yeah, the, I'm sure was, you felt that history on your shoulders every so time you made much. a decision. So that much. And everything. That's kind of and when we went in for the practice of how we were going to build the bar and what's going to kind of go into it and everything. We were talking about, we were making sure that the, the classics was always going to be a massive feature because a feature, it needed to be 
well, we have the theme of the Swift Bar up there, which is the aperitivo, the lifestyle, the perching, come in for a quick drink, just being welcome and like a little more of a casual daytime drinking atmosphere. And then we have the downstairs, which is the drinking den with the bigger menu and everything, which has, we have 28 drinks in the menu down here and it's quite expensive, but we wanted it to be focused on making sure the classics are really good because that is the legacy of what Lab kind of set for bartenders in London of like, and milk and honey as well, but like, how do you make classics? Um, and like, if you don't make good classic, then why are you making, if you can't make a good margarita, like, why are you making this infusion with this thing on your own menu? Like, if you can't just make me a sort of margarita. Um, it's like, I think they say that every chef knows how to make a fantastic omelette. Yeah. It's like, if you can't make that omelette, mm. don't go on to make exactly. anything else. Exactly. That's the whole point. Like, learn mm. learn your basics and then like, and then you can build on them. Mm. So we went, we were designing, I think we were even talking downstairs how we, what were we going to name them? And we set at home everything. We sat in Rosie's house and we drank so much red wine, Bobby ended up um, falling on the ice outside and... and and nearly breaking his foot. Yeah. Now, were you always on? The, I guess you were always on the same page. Of we were kind of trying to figure each other out because both of us had ideas, and we were always kind of on. The, we were always reading the same book, if that makes any sense. Uh -huh. Yes. And then we were trying to figure out where where everyone's idea would fit in with uh -huh. each other, and also kind of without ever being because you you kind of have to be quite nice because we just got into a new working relationship so nobody wanted to push any buttons so you're saying i'm sorry a lot and you're kind of like like holding back and everything but they were so they're such professionals and rosie because they had such a fantastic crew that they already have been working with from the designers of day trips which designed swift um and also designed oreo and but they wanted you there. I mean, it isn't as oh, yeah. no, right. No, they no, want. No. They yeah, could yeah. have opened, said, never yeah, called yeah. you, and done the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, they wanted your input. They wanted you so much. And we, so me and Bobby, they were we were sick sweet for us. It was the whole idea behind it. We needed to make sure that the bar was built the way, the way we do bartending. Like how me and Bobby have exact height that we like the height of the bar to be, and how all of the stations and all the building and how service was going to be, and where we wanted the tills and where we wanted mm. the seating and how we wanted them to be able to move so I knew because for us it was like because we were the ones going to be working here and we were the one who's going to be training the crew to be here so for us it was important that we kind of made it the way where we kind of like working and how we could see it being in the best way possible um because Ed and Rosie they're not bartenders they're they're business owners and they're developers and they're hospitality legends but they, they they don't work behind the bar they don't work on the floor which is, well they have of course they have at, at at Nigenora when they when it's been pinched nights when they need to but this is what I've done for 13 years so for me it was I needed to make the best floor that I could make to make sure that the guys can have the best time here so we were all sitting it was quite funny actually we had like six cafes around here so we were because we didn't have anything the whole place was a building site so we would go downstairs the one I took you down to Cafe Nero right, Cafe Nero. Uh, which has this long table where we sat with the builders and they had this uh, fantastic building team that they'd worked with before as well they had they had the whole thing they had the whole catalogue of people and I'm, I'm so thankful and they just rolled up this like drawings on this massive table and we sat with them for a couple hours and then we had that coffee and two coffees there and then we turned around we walked outside and we were having to do all the contracts for all the various things so we went to the next cafe had a next meeting there and then i finished that one at the hour went to the next cafe had a coffee there or maybe a tea and cake and then literally just walked around in circles so we were called like about 
eight o'clock at night. We started nine one eight o'clock at night. We were so like caffeinated that we were just shivering every day. But it was it was a lot of fun because at this time me and Bobby were just seeing everything. Everything was on like three D prints and on computers and everything. And then when we walked in every day, we could the builders were really nice. They showed us, oh, we put this flooring in here, or look, we've done this here. What do you think of this? And the designer Emily and Ewan who were with us, Emily was super pregnant then. She was like, I think she was eight months pregnant. So when we just opened the bar, she popped. So like, she was she was a hero, but she was walking around like dawdling and everything, just trying to show us where everything was going. I, uh, I was, because we, I think it was, we got the keys on the 29th, no, 30th of August, mm-hmm. and we opened on the 29th of November. So that's pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, September, October, November. Yeah. So literally within three months, we had a menu, we had a concept, we had the whole shebang kind of done. We would need to staff it, we needed to train the staff. Well, aesthetically, it is such a chic bar. Yeah. Did you have, did you work all four of you together to create this? Or you had an idea of well, exactly we kinda, what you wanted? We kind of talked about how we wanted the cl- like the style to be quite clean and elegant and like very much like streamlined um and then uh, the design team kind of came back with ideas and like rosie had a lot of input and kind of like we really like Werner Werkstätte which is a German design which is I don't know it was one of those scenarios where we kind of had a vision and then the guys can kind of took it and went to print so the same guy who kind of designed the logo who was a fantastic man he we kind of went like we want the bird but like their birds are very intricate in the way they're doing right. the, the size of the logo we wanted it just to be kind of more like a clean lining behind it because swift was going to be a new kind of branch in the same tree and it was going to need it to be so it showed itself it was still a bird but it was a new bird it was a new group it was a new kind of sister in a different way and we were all really really we wanted to be connected to them but we, it wanted to be its own entity so when we were sitting there we're now okay we like lists we like that i'm scandinavian so i wanted everything to be quite easily breathable and and styles so we knew downstairs was going to be a little bit darker we want to upstairs to be a lot lighter we wanted to get out fresh air but like day trip is so good at what they do so when we were kind of explaining this they just went to work and they came back with all these like kind of color schemes and everything because I think we picked between the blues like four or five times. We were really, really, really hard, struggling to see that it was gonna, because when they came back, said that we're gonna paint the baby blue ceiling. I don't know if you've seen upstairs, but the whole top of it, the whole ceiling of it is baby blue. And we were standing online, we're gonna have a baby blue ceiling. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a, a sky blue ceiling. Uh-huh. And we were like, oh crap, okay. Yeah, we're gonna have to distrust them in this. And then when we were, they were painting the blue on the wall and we were seeing, we're like, okay, it's gonna be completely blue and be totally blue and then like we dug in and then as soon as the lights went on and everything we we're like oh it's beautiful mm-hmm. it's perfect but you kind of had to trust them so day trip was probably the ones who did the most designing but it was showing us options of everything kind of do like mm-hmm. this do like that we like this or we don't like that or we do like this but i remember when i bought the signs for the toilets myself and i bought them on the market they're like little vintage ladies and gents things and then she didn't like him and then, oh, no. and then me and Rosie both went like but we like him and then we just stood there going like almost like we've done something we've we've done something <laughs> we contributed one bit and did but, they say did they say okay we yeah, can have yeah, them yeah, no, because it's, it's it's our part but then no they like bless them doing such much work being 
they also were on different projects, but they, they, I think they went to school with the university or something like that. No. So they were friends, so they were doing us a huge favor. They were fantastic people. Um, but we were training the guys at the same time. So we'd done all, most of the hires, but we also really don't like poaching staff. We kind of like people. We're very lucky with, but, but it's the guys that we have hired here kind of have made themselves known that they wanted to come and work here. So we haven't kind of, I don't really like the whole when you go in and you see somebody over the bar and you offer them a job over the bar. For me, it's really rude because of the person who owns the bar and runs the bar or the whole team behind it. Even insulting to the bartender themselves, going like this, I'm at work right now, how are they supposed to take that? So we were then trying to put together a bar team and we got the best people in the world and they were such nice people to start off with as well. Most of them are still here, thank God. I think we've got 75%, 80% retaining the staff, which has been fantastic. But we were doing trainings with them in the daytime from like beer training to wine trainings and everything. And then we, because um, some of them knew each other, some of them didn't. We said when we opened, we didn't want it to be a clash where there were cliques that kind of knew each other and the ones that didn't. So we decided, okay, how are we going to make them kind of one team, one dream? Apart from hugging them all the time. Apart right, from hugging right, them all the time. Well, I had, at that point, I only knew, so I didn't, I had to like kind of hold them on the shoulder oh, right, and like, right. yep, he's okay. into the hugging. Now they come to me two years right. later, they come for hugs now, so yeah. But um, it's, we decided, we're like, we're going to do them on a bar crawl. We're going to take them around Soho so they kind of get to know the, the area and everything and then they were gonna have a story the next day going like oh you were you were drunk there or you did that or that was really silly or do you remember that was really tasty when we ate that or whatever they were gonna have a new connection because they had kind of relaxed together mm -hmm. does that make sense yes, of course so they i think we went out and i would me and bobby were so tired we went quite a few places we went to frenchies we went to um opium we went to el camion we went to Tukin, we went to Milroy's, I think. And I think we went to uh, Boston, which is 68 in Boston, the uh -huh. bar upstairs. Yeah. So I think at the fifth bar. In one night. In one night, yeah, yeah. for me, but, well, it was our treat. Yeah. So we kind of like went out and then I think it's the second to last, no, second to last bar or something. I think me and Bobby just kind of decided that we were quite drunk and we kind of didn't go home because we were so overworked at that time as well. I think this one glass of wine was just, got me drunk so I can imagine that that stage it was probably a bit but they all came back the next day or the next time we saw them and they were had the funniest story somebody had lost their wallet somebody had fallen asleep in the uber somebody had like kissed something or like it, I love it, that you said kiss something oh yeah I don't remember it was it was somebody I don't think that person ended up working with us but I think she tried to kiss three of the guys oh no I no three of the one girl and two guys I think was that the they were going to work with. No, they were. <laughs> she was going to. Yeah. No, she. You're like okay. That's taking it to an extreme. I want well, you to all get along, but you don't yeah, have to make no. out the first. And day. that was that was not the reason why she didn't end up working with us. It was because the trainings were quite hard, and she didn't. Because especially when we opened, everyone had to really be up at a certain standard straight away. So it was quite a lot of tests and trainings. So she was. Um, she didn't. It wasn't for her. It was a bit too much for her. But yeah, she, that was it. Was so many stories that we came back to that we were like, "This is this worked. It was perfect." They all had a new connection mm -hmm. as a team instead of just opening the door. But we got, I think, we got the keys. The venue was kind of done two days before we had the friends and family night. Not even friends and family, industry night. 
it was industry night and we had 150 people RSVP. The venue only fits 110. So we had 150 people RSVP and we were like, oh, okay. So as Bobby was unlocking the front door for the front night, the builders were actually walking out the back door. We'd only got in a day and a half beforehand, so the bar was empty. So for in a day and a half, we had to fill up glassware, all of the bottles, every single thing from juicers, everything needed to just be filled, unpacked, plates, everything needed to come out, be washed, polished, go up on the shelf. So that was that was an intense 24 hours of getting the guys in here. We just worked day and night until we opened, and then the the industry party went off crazy well. The guys nailed it. They had so much fun. They nailed it. And then we were open. So we were... And I remember you saying that you were here every single day mm-hmm. oh, for the first day. year. Right? Mm-hmm. Or more. Was it more? At least for the first... Like, I was... For the first year, not really... For the for first, first year and months, a half, you said, I think. For the first six months, we were here six, seven days a week. Yeah. Morning, noon, and night. And then as the guy... It was basically at that time... We were also, it, it's everything when you open up a bar, it's everything, it's kind of like, you, you have a new supplier that delivers oysters only between six and seven in the morning and they need to get keys, they need to be, like, get the beeper for like the alarm, they need to sign contracts with you and the delivery. So you have to meet them all every morning at like six, seven. The builders were still coming in to do snagging as it's called, kind of like fixing corners or like pulling electricity and like nothing ever works for the first time so the music was always gonna be having a weird scenario at that time we were setting up an internet uh, account so we had bt people in in the mornings and nights and like then we worked nights so we had to work the nights make sure everything was training bobby was quite overworked at that time so he gets quite quiet he goes into little cocoon so i had to be the really loud one because i had to greet and try try to explain the concept and the briefing to all the guests that we had in the team was doing amazing but everyone always has questions in the beginning because because something new. yeah and all and i'm also one of those busy bees i want to keep my eyes on every single thing that was going through every single drink that was coming up to bar all of it we were trying to kind of figure out because at that time only me and bobby in our heads knew what swift was in a glass or a service or anything that only we knew it but we were that we had to explain it now it's so easy because they all breathe swift so when somebody else starts now it's so simple because they all they all know exactly how to do it so they will show but at the beginning i was the only one bobby as well the only one to shoot so for us when we had nathan with us it was really important he was such a hero he's now gone on to greener pastures within the whiskey world but he he was such a massive part he was a head bartender but he was more than that to us he was like he knew the drinks because he'd worked with me and bobby for three years prior he knew kind of our ideas of doing method he's a fantastic bartender and he was just he nailed it and he became kind of breathe on like leaning on him a little bit because oh we were so overworked but you couldn't show that in the evenings you had to really just smack the face on because it was so fun and it was so rewarding and so we really took off with a massive bang as well so you kind of lived in this adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. of the whole shebang um so nathan was always here always grounded he was he was beyond fantastic so when he left us he'd been working with us technically for nearly four years so he was he was a massive part of it, and we owe him a huge thank you. He was actually here last uh, last night for the for the, the birthday party. He was the guy in the zebra suit 
he's a good now. I love him so much. Um, but everyone who's kind of stayed with us, we all the, the few people that have left have all stayed really friendly. They all come in all the time. They're still part of like the atmosphere of the family atmosphere that we kind of created. Um, I think it's because me and Bobby don't really know how to do anything else than to create a family entity because we wanted everyone to kind of feel connected and responsible for the site and for themselves and by doing that I think it was very perfect that when we worked so much especially in the first year when we were here every day morning noon and night they saw that if we're putting this effort in they kind of also wanted to put the effort in so it was for us it was like it was the most it feels like it's six years ago that first year but it's only last year we just turned two yesterday i don't even know but it feels like it's been yeah easy six years i think anyone listening will get the sense that you create a family mm. no matter where you are or uh-huh. when you meet really yeah well that well it's it's for me it's kind of i got shown that in milk and honey the crew i was with we that's when me and bobby met and clearly I ended up kind of feeling so much fun when we got married, but um, it was like we were then we were only eight of us and we had to run this whole ship by ourselves and we became such close friends that I kind of wanted to take that emotion to these guys as well and where we kind of feel like we're one against the world and we kind of stick together and it's it's one of those scenarios where we don't I don't think they were trying to revolutionize how anyone runs bars, but it's kind of shocking as well because the things that we kind of take for granted, people having, saving for their pension, getting paid their holiday days, um, working reasonable hours, making sure that they have days off in a row and stuff like that, which you kind of just assume, like having proper staff mm-hmm. food, anything like that, having yeah. a break every day, things like that. So there's so many bars that are missing those little vital details. and um, But just by having those things, which is, a human right <laughs> yeah i thought you were actually going to say oh you know because we don't have those no yeah no that's we, what we, we have to we make it up in other ways but you're saying you this, have that we have that and like and that. I, but it's like I, I don't know if it's me being swedish where everything like, everyone has so many i think we you have like four coffee breaks before lunch yeah. it's one of those scenarios where like you have to have it and i think it, it the, the guys here they just like they feel respected as a person and as a career move and and we all kind of work on them individually as well because they, they all have different dreams and um, somebody wants a couple of them wants to own their own bars so me and Bobby are quite open with how we do things and how to run a concept and how to build a brand and all of those things um to some of them wants to work in like the media point of it and like so he's working with me in the social media part but still bartending still enjoying that but like kind of taking into who wants to work like some of one of them was really focused on whiskey so he's probably writing the whiskey list and making the orders and research and taking that facts but because even though they all have kind of technically the same title they all have different dreams so we're mm. trying to give them something extra towards their dreams so that they feel like they're, they're being fulfilled and they're not just like treading water i want to work for you <laughs> <laughs> but they're all individuals and that's why it's, it's so, so important wonderful. to remember because uh-huh. like some of them especially as well when like some of them have fallen ill or there's been family emergencies and stuff then we just we don't demand and i've worked in places where you just forget that that's gonna happen and i think just because they can get that 
if they need a few extra days off for a couple of months or whatever they need, then they'll get paid back by maybe give them whatever they do. They need some more hours after when they come back or wherever they fit, like pick the puzzle pieces. Then they give back everything. Of they course. are so you, They always say that people would rather be valued at work than get yeah. paid more. Yeah, so much. And I think the value of what you give to yeah. something is, you know, of course people want to get paid, but yeah. can be worth so much. Right? Just, if you want to work for people yeah. who appreciate but what you're so much, what you're doing for them. But there's so much things people go like, oh Mia, how do you open a bar? How do you do this? And I've done talks on it, but there are things that you can and you cannot really say, but there are small tokens that you can do. It's kind of like, you're always going to get given alcohol, for example, like a gift or a present or whatever it is. It could be somebody comes in with like a box of chocolates or whatever. If I would take everything home that says my name on it, then I look like the greedy person. Every single thing that gets given gets given to the guys and they share it. And every single thing every, from my, I think the first gift that we got was a Middleton Rare. Um, and it's, it's an expensive bottle of whiskey. And me and Bobby were like, great, this is staff drinks. And we all went like, what? Staff drinks? And I'm like, they're like, you're giving us a 200 pound bottle of whiskey as staff drinks. I'm like, yeah, this is yours. Mm -hmm. I'm like, because if I could, I could have easily taken that home and enjoyed, but who would I be sitting at home drinking their whiskey to myself uh -huh. instead of watching them all having a really nice uh -huh. drama after hours? It's so much more enjoyable. So much, and they've more helped you create this. Yeah, but it's also yeah. really good for the like the brands themselves. Yeah, because then they fall in love with the, the yes, drink. of course, and yeah. then the brand ambassadors see that, and then they know kind of how to feel. Uh -huh. they feel that the love is being shared across, which it is. Yes, I hope so. Oh. I feel so. I try. They do look happy. Will you share some of your love by making a cocktail for me? Yeah, sure. Do you want one now? Sure. Amazing. Can we have... What would what you make if it was the first... When it's the first one? The Scorpino. All always, right. Always All the right. Scorpino. Well, we're going to leave to have a Scorpino now. Wait, when, it's one of those days when as soon as you need to start your day off, you start off with the Scorpino, everything is going to be good. And you love Venice as well. So yeah, I love Venice and I love your Scorpino. Yes. All right. It was such a delight to have me on the show, twice. I was at Swift last night and told Yvonne, one of the bartenders, that it's become my local, even though I'm a tube ride away, especially since I know there's a Scropino always waiting for me. It was once already my cocktail of the week when I interviewed Sarah Stoda, the artist, but I decided to have the Scropino on again. It's just too good not to. Scropino. Or should I use the plural scropini? Because you just can't have one. I've been drinking these for years, but I would have to wait for our family trip to Venice to get one. Mia and her husband Bobby have zhuzhed the original recipe by replacing the vodka with Italicus Rosolio de Bergamotto. Thank goodness it was invented, because it adds that je ne sais quoi that Luca Mizaglia, the brand ambassador, told us all about on the show a few weeks ago. Just four simple ingredients. 10 mLs of Italicus, one scoop of lemon sorbet, Prosecco, and lemon zest. Combine the Prosecco with the 10 mLs of Italicus in a coupe glass. Then add a scoop of lemon sorbet and garnish with lemon zest. Close your eyes and you are transported directly to St. Mark's Square. Ah. Oh. As you know, you'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week on alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. If you head to my sister site, bestbitsworldwide.com, 
you'll also find out tons to do in Venice. Next week, we're strapping on our skis and heading out to Savoy Mont Blanc Ski Resort Morzine to meet a few of the folks instrumental in providing a bit more than just Van's show to their thirsty guests. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast. For more information and links to everything you've heard, plus a whole lot more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. The music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your drinking partner, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.